Welcome to Ask the $50 Billion Man with high-performance executive success coach, Dan Pena. The only show where you ask and you get complete, no-holds-barred answers. You want the truth? Can you handle the truth? Ask only if you dare. Head on to www.askthe50billiondollarman.com to submit your questions. And now, your host, Dan Pena. Hi, <clears throat> welcome to my 004 uh, podcast. And uh, the uh, introduction is going to be a special introduction because we're changing the format a little. And the format is uh, from now on, uh, going forward, uh, uh, at least for the time being, it's going to be in a more seminar setting, meaning I'll either be sitting in, on a stool like this, like I do in the seminar uh, at the castle, or I'll be standing up as I do and uh, where I feel it's, I can become a little more animated. Because uh, in, the, in the castle format, the camera is a lot farther back, and I'm prancing back and forth, sometimes grabbing seminar attendees uh, to make a point, or sometimes hitting my writing crop on the desk. But the seminar um, the format will be like this from, the, from now on and uh, I think you'll enjoy it more. And uh, now, instead of holding a piece of paper, which I don't do at the, at the Catholic Seminar, I read a, uh, the screen, which is normally behind me. But in this particular case, we're gonna see the screen off to my right or off to my left, depending on where I'm standing up here. And I'm reading off of a, a, a viewfinder, so to speak, a large viewfinder. Uh, I, I know that you'll enjoy it uh, because it'll be more real life, like if you were at the Catholic Seminar. Because some of these questions that you ask me uh, are very similar to the stuff that we, we cover at the seminar in different formats. We, it's not a question-answer format, a Q&A, but a lot of the stuff you kids ask are, um, you know, covered in the seminar. Obviously, you don't cover everything uh, that uh, I, uh, in your questions at the seminar because I have almost 1,500 slides, PowerPoint slides now, plus I probably have 50 to 100 vignettes, stories that I cover, but I, I, I'll try to do the best to tie them all together. But anyway, this is a new format. Let me know how you like it. And more importantly, not more importantly, but just as importantly, keep the questions coming in. Okay, let's get going. Um, is Dan still looking for people to bring him deals? The answer is yes, I am. Uh, I look at the deals. Uh, when people come to the seminar, I get the best look at the deals, but I still won't do any business or work with anybody that is not uh, gone through the castle training. But I still look at deals. Uh, in fact, uh, uh, I've got a couple uh, people coming to visit me from uh, a long way away this coming weekend, and uh, I'll look at their deals. Is it true you exercise almost daily, and what do you feel it has to do with being a high performer? Yeah, I, I do. Uh, unless when I'm traveling. The day I uh, travel uh, on the planes, if I'm flying 12 or 15 hours, or sometimes I'm traveling as much as 20, 24, 30 hours, I don't normally tra uh, uh, go to the gym when I get to the hotel, like a lot of people say. I normally take a short nap, then go to the gym. But yes, I, I, I lift weights four or five days a week, different parts of my body, legs, chest, back, arms, uh, etc. And uh, I do a cardio, uh, I try to do cardio every day, but normally I do it uh, five, six days a week. And what does it have to do with being a high performance person? I mean, I can only speak for the last 20 years, but virtually all the high-performance people I know are in pretty good shape. Uh, 
Now, we have the odd uh, person that's in a statistical anomaly that's not in great shape, but for the most part, it helps you think more clearly and it keeps you mentally alert. Why do some of your mentees come back for more uh, of the seminars? Um, for a couple of reasons. Uh, and I might have mentioned it in uh, one or two podcasts ago. They keep, continue to come back because they continue to grow. Now, assuming you're starting from ground zero, which nobody starts from ground zero when they come to the seminar. Everybody's got a little business acumen. Everybody's got a little uh, knowledge. Uh, but if you came from ground zero, I mean, it's like a new infant. You learn how to crawl, then walk, then run. Uh, and as uh, Robert Mayer, uh, or Bavarian Bob, as we call him, who's been to the seminar, I believe, the last six seminars in a row, uh, and he signed up for the next seminar as well, he says, that, and he's an uh, astrophysicist, I believe, a uh, multi-degreed astrophysicist, he has like a breakthrough every time he is able to come to the seminar because it's new information. Because he's had, you know, 30, 35 years of prior training before he came to the seminar. So this is all new information, no matter how smart you are. What are the pa uh, patents in the healthcare industry that I can uh, get involved in and take advantage of uh, fear of dying? There aren't any really of patents, but as I mentioned, the last four or five months of life, we spend 75% of all the money, approximately 75% of all the money we spend on healthcare. Why? Because we don't want to die. It's pretty goddamn easy. Okay? So get involved in whatever healthcare is being provided those last four, five, six months. Then about one third to one half of that money is spent the last 75 days of life because we're trying to do more things. We're trying to do more things to stay alive. So those are the areas I get involved. Also nutrition, diet or hot, uh, but uh, as far as not wanting to die, those are the things I get involved in. Uh, what is the difference between most people's commitment and high performance people's commitment? Well, there's no comparison. High performance person like myself, and I did a, a, a video about four years ago where I started off with about six or seven or 800 people on the video. Uh, excuse me, webinar, and uh, by the time I got done, there was about 80 or 90, because the harder I got, the harsher I got, the, uh, the less people wanted to hear it. But basically, when I tell you I'm going to fucking do something, I fucking mean it. And that's why I tell my mentees, and I tell you, I mean, unless you're dead or in a fucking coma, you get it done. When I tell you I'm going to get something fucking done, I get it fucking done, no matter what. No matter anniversary, Christmas, but I don't give a shit. That's the difference. You know, it's like, uh, I can't speak for Donald Trump, but when Donald Trump says he's going to do something, he fucking does it. That's the difference. You'll say, uh, my daughter had her 16th birthday. Uh, my, my, my wife had her period. My grandma, uh, nobody gives a shit about any of that stuff. Only low performers give a shit about that. How do you say something uh, to someone who puts you in an uncomfortable position to do, uh, position to do so, tell your coworker that he stinks or uh, uh, needs a bath or has halitosis. You just fucking do it. Don't be such a fucking cunt. We had a guy about 15 years ago. He was a, uh, an accountant in one of the organizations I was chairman of, and he had halitosis that you could you could smell him 50 feet away. Nobody told him. Not his best buddy. One night I took him out to dinner and I told him he had halitosis. And he had body odor. 
He said, thank you. Do, if, you if you care about them at all, do yourself a favor and do it. Do them a favor, I should say. Uh, have you ever been involved in a business decision that made you sick to your stomach? <laughs> yes. Not in a long time, though. Early in my career, I, uh, I would get uh, nauseous. But if you, most of you have never had that feeling. You know, you might have had some sort of nervous feeling when you asked your first date out. Uh, but uh, it's, you know, it's because you're going way outside your comfort zone. And I haven't been way outside my comfort zone in a long, long time. Uh, what will you do in 2015? Well, I'm going to turn 70 in 2015, for starters. I plan a big party in 2015. Uh, I also will have seminars in 2015. I'm not sure when, uh, but they may be in conjunction with my uh, 70th birthday. That'll be the summer of 2015. Uh, and I'll continue to travel a lot with my wife, my lovely wife. Uh, we're going, uh, you, know, you know, we've been on a lot of trips this year, and we will continue to go on a lot of trips. Uh, and uh, it's enjoyable for me. And I will continue to do deals probably until I die. Can you give us a simple explanation of QLA? QLA is getting from point A to point B, which normally relates to money, wealth, creation, in the shortest possible time from A to B. That's what QLA is, as long as it's moral, ethical, and legal. And it takes advantage of conventional wisdom uh, almost always being wrong. Uh, how do I get out of this vicious cycle of becoming very interested in an idea but never fa fa falling through with it because I become interested in something else? Well, somebody needs to slap the shit out of you. You need a mentor that makes you accountable. Uh, this is not a... Um, what do you call it? It's not a uh, unlikely scenario for many people that lack focus, lack commitment. Find something that you're passionate about, that you love more than life itself, and then you won't jump from thing to thing to thing. You know, I liken it to you know a girl or a woman or a guy or the other uh, um, or an it or whatever you are that you really love. I mean, that's all you can think about. That's all you want to be, be who you want to be with. Same thing relates to uh, a business deal and, and passion. What mindset uh, will help me be most valued to others? Focus, passion, commitment. Focus, passion, commitment. Mr. Pena, I've heard you say that you have been dead financially several times. I said almost dead, I haven't been dead yet. Uh, and have uh, risen like the phoenix each time. What did you learn from each of those experiences? Well, without going through each experience, I can tell you, I learned that that which does not kill you makes you stronger. I'm a strong, tough guy now at almost 70, or be 70 next year, because I've almost been dead, almost been dead a few times. Doubt for the bird is almost. Uh, but most of you stay away from things that you fear. Uh, what were your underlying core beliefs that, you, um, that anchored you with enough faith to not only weather the storm, but come out of, uh, on top than ever. Belief in myself. I've had a strong belief in myself since, since uh, I'm in my early 20s. Uh, again, going back, I went through uh, uh, 
officer candidate school. I went through a year of training, hard training, uh, in the military, in the army, uh, during the Vietnam era. Uh, and I came out the other end, and I, you know, I, I felt invincible. Uh, I still do. Uh, I still believe I'll die when I when I'm fucking ready to die. Uh, and that's why I do crazy things still. And back when I was in, into hunting and hunting uh, water buffalo with handguns and uh, doing uh, puma hunting in caves with no lights and I've done a lot of crazy things because I, I, I know that I'll always come out the other end. How can you maintain a continuous high, light, high level of smart, effective work uh, in your working time? Because I love what I do, dipshits. The reason why you get fucking bored because you fucking don't, you don't not only love, you don't even like what you do. Most of you are living quiet lives of desperation. It's that simple. It's a hard thing to say, but it's the goddamn truth. Most of you in the cosmos of time, not just you, most everybody on the planet in the cosmos of time are not a fart in the wind. But what you're doing is of no consequence, and you know it down deep inside. Okay. Have you experienced these obstacles during your dreams uh, to your goals? Well, this is a slide I use in the seminar. I put it on uh, social media a few times. It's a very popular slide. And uh, the, uh, it has you down there at the bottom with your dreams. Uh, it has your relatives first up to, to whack you with a sword. Then you've got your friends that are telling you can't fucking do it. Uh, then you've got your guilt. Uh, well, oh my God, I should listen to my parents, I should listen to my friends. Then you got your uh, prejudices, the own, your own that you've been raised with by your parents. Uh, then you got uh, guilt about all the above so far. You feel guilty. And then you got society telling you can't do it. And then you got your fear. And fear to a high performance person is false expectations appearing real. Very simple. So you got to get from your dreams to your goals, and you got all these obstacles, relatives, Friends, pessimists, guilt, fear, society. Yes, those I've had myself. And I've gotten through it because I didn't listen to any of them. Because it doesn't matter what the morons say. Do you think you've made as much of your life as you thought you would, say, when you were 20 years old? Explain why. Uh, I've, I, I, I've probably made more of my life since I'm 20 than I thought I was, because at 20 is before I saw the light. When I was graduated from uh, OCS as a 21-year-old and I went out into the real world, um, and then I went back to school and got out of school when I was in my mid-20s, late-20s, then uh, I realized the world was my oyster. But at 20, I had no idea. Dan, could you tell me what time you get up in the morning and what is your routine? Um, what do you say to yourself, self-talk? Is it the same every morning and do you have a routine in the evening? No, I don't say anything to myself in the morning. I get up uh, excited to what I'm going to do that day because I enjoy what I do. I enjoy pulling you dipshits across the goal line. And in case you haven't noticed, I've gotten very fucking good at it. Arguably the best on the planet as far as creating uh, value and equity. I don't have any self-talk. Uh, my routine is normally I get up, um, I uh, look at 
check my phone messages, my two different phones. I uh, look at my emails to see if there's anything important I got to do right then. Um, and then um, I try to work out. Uh, if I can, I postpone that. Uh, and uh, at night, I have uh, no specific routine other than I say my goals and affirmations every single night before I go to bed. That exception to that is occasionally when I travel uh, or when I'm on a plane. Uh, and I also do my prayers. I still do my prayers at night. And uh, I used to say my affirmations twice a day when I first got up in the morning. Uh, but I could tell my affirmations, I have uh, 20 of them, I could tell them right now, verbatim, with no cue cards, like I'm using now, uh, and uh, because I know them. And occasionally they change. When uh, my daughter recently, in uh, uh, late in 2013, graduated from graduate school at Northwestern, my affirmation changed from helping her while she's a university student to helping her as a, a young adult uh, in, in, the, in the real world. But uh, those are my routines. Uh, as a young guy with nothing, how do you get access to the best mentor? Uh, how did you do it uh, in your early years when you had nothing? Well, certainly not when you guys are hanging around. And certainly not with fucking tattoos and earrings and a fucking mohawk or that spiked fucking hair that kids use now. You're not going to find anything. You couldn't find a piece of shit looking like that. And I, when I had nothing, I acted like I had something. QLA is also all, all about perception as reality. I dressed, I didn't dress with a, a pocket watch and a three-piece suit when I was young, but I dressed well. Because I, I, I wanted to make the best impression, because you only have one time to make the best impression. You kids don't do that. You kids are basically slobs. Hi, Dan. In your experience and wisdom, what is the meaning of life? Well, I wasn't going to answer this, but I decided to put it in anyway. The meaning of life is to be all that you can fucking be, not live a life of quiet desperation. Joe Batten, who used to be my partner, who came up with the saying from the United States Army, be all you can be, and who was also Ross Perot's mentor, when I met him, he changed my life because I had been successful already, but I wasn't being all that I can be. And part of the $50 billion man uh, contest and part of me doing a lot of pro bono stuff is because I realized some of this I have to do for free because I, it's the only way I'm going to get as many people across the goal line as humanly possible, i.e. these podcasts, i.e. hopefully the upcoming reality show, i.e. me being a guest on other podcasts so I can reach as many people. But it's all being, all being all that you can be. How do I prepare for the upcoming uh, big crash in 2016? Well, I don't, well, there's no way to prepare. There's no way to prepare. Uh, but QLA will help you take advantage if there is a crash in 2016. Study all my free stuff on uh, my website. Uh, go to Torrent, get my book. Read it in conjunction with my ebook, and you'll be prepared. Uh, what is the best way to learn how to become a great salesperson? Make a lot of bad sales calls, dipshit. That's how I got to be a great salesman. I made a lot of bad sales calls. Practice. What are the questions I should be asking right now of the people I consider to be my mentors? 
The question you should be asking is, first of all, do you want to be part of my dream? Do you want to assist me with my other dream team mentors to achieve my goals? Do I wear boxers or briefs? I wasn't going to put this either, but I, you know, more than one person asked me. Uh, I, don't, I don't wear boxers. Um, how do you maintain a business mindset? Um, I'm comfortable. I'm in a comfortable environment. Get out of the comfort environment, you sorry piece of shit. It's very simple. In most cases, stop hanging around with all the dipshits that you hang around with. And that includes your family. What three groups, clubs, organizations would you recommend I join to att or attend to inject myself into a framework of high performers uh, so I can find a mentor like you? Well, I like Rotary. Uh, I like um, those type of social organizations to give back to the community. Um, perhaps your alumni association. Um, perhaps um, uh, go and find the best club that you can't afford. Uh, they have men's clubs. Uh, they have good country clubs. Um, and you'll find somebody. Or just use the internet. Uh, since, I will, uh, since I will not be able to make the trip to the castle, can I send my money uh, and uh, get you uh, to be my mentor? No, you can't. Uh, you attend the castle seminar or you don't. I mean, you can't hire me as a consultant. I do do that still. I'm very expensive and most people can't afford me. Uh, what is your take on revenge? Should you seek it so people know not to cross you, or should you uh, distance yourself from your enemy? My opinion about revenge has changed as I've gotten older. Uh, I believe what revenge is a waste of time. And I didn't used to think that, but I'm older and wiser hopefully now, and revenge is a waste of time, it's a waste of energy. I let it go, move on. Um, I want to purchase an apartment complex, 100 units. I have good credit, no debt, but I um, have very little income. This year I will make 40 grand, uh, and, my, and my homestead is clear. That means this property is clear and free. I do not have down payment funds for investors. How do I buy a 100 unit complex? You need to save your money. You need to find um, an um, investment team that believes in your concept. I, if you're just buying 100 units, I mean, you better come up with a different idea. If, you're not, if, if you don't have a different idea, there's, why do they need you to buy uh, 100 units? You need a different idea and why your investment opportunity is different. Um, this is one of uh, my favorite slides that I use in the seminar. It also has been very popular on social media. Um, because it's, uh, how many of you have been told uh, that there should be work-life balance? It's a question I'm often asked. Uh, and my retort has always been essentially what Mr. Welsh said in the slide. There's no such thing as work-life balance. Now get this through your thick fucking skulls, okay? There are work-life choices, and you make them, and they have consequences. So for every time you're not there at a social function or a social engagement that you think you should have been, there's a consequence. It's that simple. If one has social anxiety and has trouble approaching people and doing business, how do you suggest one launches their high-performance journey? Well, that's a challenge. And that challenge is helped 
by getting a mentor that understands your challenge um, and, uh, and then working through it. And uh, you can go to um, ver various organizations that learn, uh, teach you how to uh, public speak better. Uh, you can go to workshops, drama workshops, you can learn how to act. Um, there's, a, there's a number of alternatives. Uh, but there's a lot of quiet people. I've told you there's two ends of the uh, managerial leadership continuum. I'm at one end with all the Till of the Hun and those guys. And then there's another end that is, uh, you know, the Bill Gates of this world. Uh, I'm in university now. Should I get a job first before I go seek uh, out a mentor? Or would it be productive for me to seek out a mentor now? Don't wait. Just fucking do it. Why are you going to wait? How much smarter are you going to get by the time you get out of university? Get one now. How can you get bank financing with bad credit since banks pull credit reports? Credibility will be associated with you and linked to you with your dream team. I've got plenty of people that I've trained and pulled across the goal line that have been bank loaned once and in some cases even twice. Um, the, uh, you can do it. Research claims people at any state reach a level of normalcy despite increases or decreases of wealth. Given you require, oh, excuse me, given your unique experiences and social reach, do you feel this is true? If what the question means is whether you've been very successful and had ups and downs, is do you, do you reach a level of normalcy uh, that isn't affected by ups and downs? The answer is no, you don't. Uh, I've been, uh, you know, not on my ass, but I've, I've, I've lost a lot of money a few times in my life and been close to broke. Um, and uh, I know it's affected uh, what you would consider my normal attitude. But nobody ever in a seminar or nobody ever in a business transaction ever knew for one fucking microsecond that I was having a problem. Never. And unlike you, the cry and piss and moan, piss and moan, moan and piss, piss and moan, as soon as something goes wrong, you can't wait to tell all your friends. Shit, you'll even tell your goddamn enemies. Keep your fucking mouth shut. Keep it to yourself. Don't share doubts, as I said once before, other than with your mentor. And especially not your family. Dan. How does one manage to attain both wealth and success and happiness in their personal life? Uh, relieve relationship strain. You know, vis-a-vis -vis personal life and business, unfortunately they're normally separate. Very few people have been able to achieve both. But if your goals, part of your goals, and they should be, to help your personal life, Help your family, help your mom, help your dad, help your brothers, help your sisters, help orphanages like Sally and I do. Then uh, you, you uh, maintain some sort of relationship without much strain. But believe me, there's strain. I could be right now in uh, an orphanage uh, somewhere uh, in the southern part of the Philippine Islands doing good. But instead I'm doing this because I want to pull as many of you across the goal line because if I make 50 of you put you in a position to where you can go help the orphanages, then you do the work of 50 instead of just me. I don't have many good people around me, amen, uh, a dream team, but I know I'll meet good people along the way. 
but do you believe that a middle-aged man who has no formal qualifications in education has been bankrupt twice due to poor understanding of money and uh, money management, has never in his life had direction until now, uh, nor a mentor in life, no financial backing, fuck this guy, you know, uh, no financial banking, backing, but does it have a newfound purpose in life and is very passionate about, that's the key word, passionate about starting a charity different than the rest to raise money for helping veterans with uh, PTSD, that's post-traumatic uh, disorder, both in Europe and in the uh, United States, can they succeed? Do you believe you could mentor someone like this? The answer is yes, but I have uh, a lot of opportunities to mentor people. But the most important thing this young man said uh, is that he um, has passion. Most of you on this, um, listening to this podcast, don't have passion. You think it's vogue, personal development has become vogue. Success uh, training or quest for success has become vogue. Everybody does it, but only the very few. And that's why we focus on the few, not the many at QLA. I don't want the masses. You know, I could fill up big auditoriums, but I, when I did that, and I used to give the seminar for free, I've, I mentioned before, my results were really pretty shit. What differentiates a millionaire from a billionaire? Well, a lot of zeros, for one thing, but dreams. I said, you know, if I had my life to uh, live over again, I, I might have mentioned it at another time, what mistake did I make? I didn't set my goals high enough. I didn't set my goals high enough. But that's the difference between a millionaire and a billionaire. What should I prepare or know before starting a business? That you love it, that you're passionate about it, and that you can't do anything, you don't want to do anything else but it. How do I prepare an exit plan before starting a business? You start with the exit plan before you start the business. Who am I going to sell to? Is it going to be an industry sale? Is it going to be an individual sale? Will it be an IPO or taking it public? How come you have priests and nuns as, as your mentees? Because they need fucking help. Even God's workers need help. And they need more help than even some of the dipshits like you watching this. Why? Just imagine dealing with tens of thousands of sorry cock-sucking morons that are living quiet lives of desperation, listening to confessions, and trying to keep you guys straight. You'd go fucking crazy. They need somebody to talk to. Am I their confessor? Not really, although some of them say I'm their confessor. They need help. In fact, they need help worse than you need it. And they're doing good. And for those of you that think that you're going to do good and change the world, it's going to make you feel better, you are full of fucking shit. Look at men of the cloth, women of the cloth. There's still many of them are unhappy doing God's work. You have to have a special calling. So before you jump off and decide to start a charity, before you jump off and decide to be goody two-shoes do-gooders, think about, is that really going to change your life? And more importantly, is it going to be all that you can be? Is it going to be satisfying that mantra? Be all that you can be. In most cases, it's no. In most cases, it's because you fucking copped out the life. You're taking the easy fucking road. I hope 
I answer to him? And if God didn't strike me down with a lightning bolt through the ceiling. Have you assisted QLA devotees increase their abilities to take risks? Yes. This creed, I am a risk taker, has probably done more good than any other slide that I've produced. I developed it a few years ago, uh, and um, it's dynamite. And uh, people put it on their refrigerator, people put it on their uh, mirror when they're shaving the guys, uh, people, the gals put it on their mirror when they're putting on makeup, etc. And it goes through, uh, and, and it talks, um, you know, really from the heart. Um, read it. Um, it'll do you some good. What is the most important thing in success and in all aspects of life? Passion! Fucking passion. I'm passionate about what I do. I've always been passionate about what I do. I'm in a hurry always when what I do. Always be in a hurry. What are the characteristics of a super entrepreneur? Passion. Passion, commitment, focus. If you're young and you, uh, if you are young and you can do it all over, if I, oh, if I were young and could do it all over again, what would you do? I set higher goals and I would have got into telecommunications stroke internet earlier. What is the definition of privilege? Privilege is a lot of hard fucking work. I'm privileged because I have worked harder than anybody watching this thing. I don't know anybody on this ever why I, I, I don't think I believe I don't know anybody that's ever worked 140 hours in a week. I have. 100 hours was a good week for me. More often it was 120 hours. And that's how I've got privileged and that's why I have more choices. So I can do more good. You still have financial goals. Not for me, but for you. I have financial goals. I want to pull as many as I can across the goal line, beat them, kick them, push them, pull them, whatever you want to call it, uh, by the time I quit uh, coaching mentoring, which isn't anytime soon. Uh, and uh, as I say in the seminar, about a third through the seminar, I don't really have any more financial goals for myself. I do have them for you, though. Because I know how many regrets you're going to have. I know how you're going to be sick to your stomach when you're 80 years old for all the shit you didn't do. And I know how, how ill that you're going to be and rot with guilt because you didn't take advantage of the, the opportunities that you had and you weren't all that you can be. Do you still have a personal mentor? No, I don't. My mentors are passed away. I've had four or five over my lifetime. Uh, and um, the, uh, a, a dear friend of mine who was a mentor for me in my, when I was young uh, is still alive, uh, but he's ill. Um, but uh, I, don't, I don't really have one now. 
Our biggest opportunity uh, is in the U.S. right now, and that's what we need to focus on. Do you agree? Uh, no, I don't. I don't think the biggest opportunity in the U.S. is, uh, or is in the U.S. necessarily. Depends what business you're in. Uh, if I understand this kid's uh, question, uh, he's an internet kid, very successful. Uh, he just got offered, uh, had an offer earlier uh, this year, I may have mentioned this, for $20 million for 5% of his company. He's only been in business uh, really four years. And more importantly, he's only fucking 21 years old. 21. Uh, but depending on the industry you're in, it could be uh, a lot of different places. Uh, have booked holiday. Oh, have booked a holiday. This is a, a, first a statement, then a question. Have booked a holiday next week. Istanbul with a girl. Great. But I have a, a big concern about it. One, uh, May, the month of May, is a good month. Is a good month for revenue. Uh, this is an old question. Uh, but I will close it as soon as I get some buyer. Uh, is it right impression? Uh, um, is it the right impression uh, for my brother and worker and so on? Oh, am I leaving the right impression by going on a holiday for the rest of the workers? What do you think about? Uh, and the, first of all, the answer is the first question. You book, you don't book a goddamn holiday when it's the biggest income month of your business. Forget about it. Shit can that idea. Number two, is it a bad impression on your fellow employees and your relatives or whoever? Yes, it is a bad impression. And this is a smart kid, and so he should know better. Um, what do I think about Turkey? Meaning, what do I think about Turkey vis-a-vis uh, -vis the trouble they've had there and business opportunities? You, obviously, there's going to be big uh, uh, business opportunities, but there's going to be risks associated with it. If you can deal with the emotional risk, then Turkey's fine. Um, <laughs> Mr. Pena, I'm still wondering how you could do all the things you've done. Shit. Sometimes I wonder how I did them all. But the one thing I can tell you is every single thing that I say is absolutely 100% true. I've, did all, I've done all those things. And when we were trying to, a few months ago, trying to figure out what my brand was and we were trying to differentiate like my unique selling proposition, um, the, uh, there were so many things, it was, it was, just, it was just tough to differentiate. But um, the, uh, I did them because I've been passionate. And I've gone through four or five stages in my career. Um, first stage of my career, I was kind of a fuck off. I uh, went into the Army, became a high performance person. Uh, I came back, I was a uh, highly motivated student, got through school in a little more than half the time, went to two universities simultaneously, got accepted to law, had scholarships to go to law school, etc. Uh, I was working on my master's in finance and leading the, the country in sales at a real estate sales company. Uh, then uh, uh, I went off on my Wall Street days, financial uh, services, um, and then I went to work for one of my um, corporate clients, uh, and uh, we founded some companies. We did, we made a couple, uh, one, a couple quantum leaps. Uh, then I left and went off in uh, Great Western. But everything I've done uh, has been with passion. And then when I got thrown out of Great Western on uh, January of 1992, uh, after a few months of trying to ascertain what I was going to do, I decided to take up coaching 21 years ago. Uh, but I'm passionate about it. So that's how I've done all the things I've done. 
Uh, plus, I have gift, great communication skills. I have great uh, self-esteem, uh, and I can do more. I can do more than one thing at a time. I can multitask. That's how I've been able to do everything I've done. But I've been passionate about it, and I want to achieve, and I want to be all that I can be by the time they carry me out in the box. Uh, for you and me, uh, he says, this, uh, if, you, if we, meaning you and him, would be together in a biz model, which would make sense, where would be our limits? We don't have any limits. There are no limits to our abilities. That's the problem with everybody that's watching this damn thing, almost everybody. You think that there are limits. There are no limits. Am I the only person, am I, uh, another one, this is a guy that's following QLA. Am I the only person that's doing all this? Is doing what you say. In his particular case, he's not the only one, but he's one of the ones that follows it strictly. He lives it. He stands at his desk, etc. Uh, but not many people do that because they've got all kinds of reasons why they, they don't follow it. They think QLA is a potpourri like a menu. I'll have a little escargot, I'll have a little salad, I'll have a little cut fruit, I'll have some cheese. But that's not what it is. You got the whole goddamn thing. Uh, you say fly first class. And the best hotels and so on. Uh, how do you do this? How did you finance it? Well, I financed it by borrowing money. I believed in myself enough that I wasn't. I didn't mind going into the debt at the beginning. It's very simple. And you can have a small room in the best hotel. And now with uh, internet miles and all this other stuff, there's other ways that you can pay for first class. Right now. Um, Oh, right now I had a meeting with a European bank and all of a sudden we talked about a hundred million dollar deal. Uh, would I be able to run such a company? No! There's virtually nobody watching this thing or listening to it that out of the blocks can run a hundred million dollar company. But that's what your dream team's for. That's what your mentor's for. Uh, how long does it take to learn to run a hundred million dollar company? It depends. How good your dream team is? And uh, you know how many uh, mistakes you make in the beginning, but you will make mistakes. Uh, cannot understand. I'm always between. Oh, he's talking about the success test between minus one and one. Is this test really one which will tell me uh, how good I'll be in the future? Because minus one will not be enough to play. With, will minus one be enough to play with the big boys? Perfect score remembers minus three. Okay, first time I took the test, I got a minus three. There's only been about, since the London Real exposure, we've had hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of more people take the test. So I'm guessing we still have 10 or less people that have gotten perfect score. But we've had some big, big successes that have gotten minus one and minus two. Um, you can play with the big boys at minus one. What can I make uh, to grow personally and be able to play with the big boys? First of all, it's not play. but you need to be around more big boys. It's who you hang around with. That's how you get used to and you bring them in your comfort zone. Another one of my favorite slides that's a popular demand is I've used it on um, uh, social media. And people ask me, and I developed this slide answering the question, they say, Dan, um, you tell people not to waste time on writing books, um, excuse me, reading books. And I, that's not exactly what I say. I say you read a few books and read the same few books a bunch of times. Because you can have all the knowledge you want. You can read 500, 1,000 books and you'll have the, not, the dots that aren't going. 
And then you can have experience without reading too many books and you join all the dots. It's that simple. But you would rather read books than take fucking action. Because most of you are lazy. And if you're not lazy physically, you're lazy emotionally. Uh, is the expectation that the board of directors get a percentage of the mothership, uh, meaning when you're building your dream team, the chairman and the other board of directors, uh, will they get a percentage of the mothership, meaning the holding company? The answer is yes. And I discussed this quite uh, in depth, uh, both in uh, newsletters and in um, my uh, book. But bottom line is you start at one or two percent for the inactive board members, uh, and as much as 5% for a board member that's going to be the CFO, etc., or the chief operating officer. Uh, the next part of the question was, and, and per diem and expenses. No, in the beginning it's a startup. They don't get per diem. Per diem means uh, uh, an uh, amount for every meeting they attend, uh, and travel expenses, etc. No, they don't get that because it's a startup. But once you've gotten traction and once you've got cash flow, the answer is yes. Or do I keep, uh, and, and the next part of his question is, or do I keep going until I find someone who will join the board? Meaning that he's failed so far, and the people that he's asked to go on the board in, in, in that regard. And if, if he's failed, he's, he's failed, or she's failed, because they haven't been sold on um, your commitment, your passion. Uh, I, I, have set, I, I have a number of mentees over the last 21 years that have uh, gotten some people uh, first time out. But some people, you know, there's no chemistry. There's no uh, rapprochement, as the French would say. Um, so you do start without per diem. You do start without paying them expenses. Um, and can you get superstars on this basis? This answer is yes. I just, uh, uh, one of my mentees, uh, funny enough, I was the last person to be asked to be on his board. He had built a nice board up qualified people, uh, he didn't have a chairman yet, and so he listed four people on his weekly report, and he says, these are the four uh, that I'm uh, uh, hoping that I can get one of them to be my chairman, and so I was listed at the bottom. He had never mentioned this to me once before, never, okay? And, um, and so I emailed him, I says, is this your subtle way of asking me to be your chairman? And he, he came back and said, yes. And I said, well, I, I'd be proud to, but he didn't use me. Now, most people that I come on the board, they use me as the, uh, a lever uh, uh, to be able to get other people on the board. But he went and got the board first, and then I was brought on last. Uh, and then I added one more person to the board that I felt could add a lot of quality that I've known a long, long time. He's done a lot, a lot of deals, and he lives right in the same town as, as this fellow does. So, uh, but superstars will come on. Now, he also tried to get T. Boone Pickett, the same guy I'm talking about. Well, T. Boone wrote him a nice letter, which is an accomplishment in and of itself, because, uh, I mean, those kind of guys, uh, T. Boone Pickett is a, is a billionaire uh, oil and gas guy from Texas that I used to be uh, know in business, you know, a lifetime ago. But um, you can get high-powered high people. You'd be surprised. But you can't if you don't ask. Um, to be the best at anything, you have to have the love to overcome the many obstacles. When you truly love, you uh, overcome the obstacles. The question is, to be the best, you have to, uh, to have love what you do, 
uh, and the only way that you can overcome those obstacles is because the love that you have for the deals, and just like the love for your children, the love for your wife, your significant other, etc., you put up with their idiosyncrasies and you overcome them and you get through the problems together. So uh, you, you will overcome the obstacles as long as you love it. But you've got to sell that love to the dream team. How do you become the person you were meant to be uh, with QLA? Huh, interesting question. <clears throat> well, getting back to what I said earlier, I believe we were put on this earth by whoever put us here to be all that we can be. <clears throat> so how do you become the person you were meant to be with QLA is finding something that you really love enough <clears throat> to sacrifice you know, everything for, as long as it's honest, moral, and ethical. And speaking of that, again, this, the, the answers to these questions are only one man's opinion. I have a disclaimer at the beginning of the podcast, and I have a disclaimer at the end of the podcast, each podcast, for a reason. Because the information that you give me is only partial information, so I'm answering it based on my 40 plus years of experience. But I don't know all the in and outs, I don't know the in nuances, I don't know all the innuendos, etc., etc. So <clears throat> the information that I give you is based on what you tell me, which not, may, may not be all the information. So. Fine. You've got lawyers, you've got accountants, you've got your own personal advisors, ask them. Um, why do you dress like you do when the world has changed so much <clears throat> where business dress? Well, I don't look like the other guys that you're in business with. I don't act like the other guys that you're in business with. I certainly don't act uh, and dress like the other personal development and success coaches. That's not me. I'm also significantly more successful than virtually all of them. There are some very successful guys and gals out there, but not in creating value and building equity. I dress this way because you only have one time to make a first impression. I give these podcasts dressed this way for the same reason. I want you to see, I want you to understand uh, what it looks like to be successful. At the seminar, most of you guys go to seminars in t-shirts and jeans or a sports shirt. At this council seminar, you dress for success. You dress in a suit. You dress in a tie. Women dress whatever is appropriate or commensurate to that same style. Uh, when you go to meetings, when you go to see bankers, etc., you dress like this. You'll be much more successful. Uh, this is my uniform. Uh, why do you speak like you do um, in such a non-politically correct manner? <laughs> Yeah, that's interesting. I do because this is me. You know, I'm not interested in impressing you uh, with my speech. Uh, I don't care if you don't like it. Fuck off. I don't care if um, it offends you. You know, I, I normally start the seminars by saying, uh, I'm not here to offend you. I'm not here to hurt your feelings. I'm not here to uh, affront you, but I will. I'm here to tell you exactly how it is in the real world. No bullshit. This is how high-performance people talk. If you don't think, and we have a, about a 25 or 30-minute section in the seminar about bad language and how many people use it, and then I have examples from YouTube and etc. from President Kennedy across the board to more currently Joe Biden, uh, Vice President of the United States, they use bad words. I use bad words because it's expressive. I, I don't want there to be any fucking doubt in your mind what I mean. As I say, I may be wrong, but I'm never in doubt. And that's why I act this way. Because contrary to the po 
PC manner that you see people act on on TV. That is not my experience in business meetings. That is not my experience in real life. That is not my experience in getting deals done. Uh, why do you say that you never, oh, you never ever share doubts except with your mentor? Because the most contagious thing in the world isn't a positive attitude. The most contagious thing in the world is a negative attitude. Negativities spread and multiply, like like uh, like uh, you know, flies on feces. And when you share a doubt with your spouse, with your son, with your father, with your business partner, uh, and God forbid, with your financial advisor or your banker, they have less uh, heart to stay the course because they say, if Dan doesn't think this fucking thing's going to get done. How can I? And he's the one ahead of it. I'm only a mere advisor. Do you believe in the 10,000 uh, hour of practice? No, I don't. Because it takes more than 10,000 hours of practice um, and uh, before you're good. And that's uh, the belief that if you practice something, practice it well. Not just bullshit practice. Practice it well in 10,000 hours, you become proficient. Uh, whether it's golf uh, or whatever. I, that's not my experience. Now, I, I wasn't very athletic as, as a child, so maybe that's what I'm falling back on, whereas my father was an all-American type athlete in multiple sports. I wasn't, okay? All that I have exceeded at in, in, in uh, athletics is golf. Uh, so, but that's a bare-ass minimum, I would say, 10,000 hours. Bare-ass. It will take you less than that to start QLA, but you won't be anywhere near proficient until you've done, you know, half a dozen transactions. Why do you say uh, to look for, uh, for big and high margin businesses? <laughs> the reason I tell you to look for big margin businesses because you can't fucking manage. You're all shit managers and you think you can fucking manage. You're trying to operate like in retail at one or 2% margins and you can't. I like 20, 30% margins because then when you mismanage it, you still make five or 10 or 15%. That's why. Now I know you're gonna tell me I'm the anomaly, Dan. I'm the special one, you know, I'm the gifted one. I can manage a, a tight margin business. Well, I, I'm here to tell you, prove it to me, but I don't believe you. Uh, why do you say dress British and think Yiddish? It's pretty simple. One. You only one time to make a first impression, dressing. You go into a meeting dressed like this, or you dress nice in a suit. Another way, some of my young mentees dress like in the men in black, wear a black suit, black tie, and white shirt. Not a black shirt, to be uh, modern. Uh, and they look very sharp. Uh, but, and thinking Yiddish, because, and this is not meant, uh, uh, this is meant as a compliment both for the British people and, and, and the Jewish people. And Yiddish is the is the, is, the, is the Jewish, uh, uh, I guess, uh, secondary language, um, because uh, the Jews uh, are, are are canny businessmen and women. They're very smart. Uh, you know, they've been uh, bargaining and that kind of thing uh, for thousands and thousands of years. Uh, can you have more than one mentor? The answer is yes. You can have more than one mentor. Uh, I had uh, three in my prime, so to speak. I had one for oil and gas business, which was Jerry Orman. I had one for getting my head screwed on straight, which was Jim Newman, who wrote Release Your Brakes, and again, read it. 
you, you love it. Uh, and my third and general business mentor was Costa Grazos, Constantine Grazos, who was the CEO of Manassas Shipping Industry. Why is there such a high percentage of split ups in, in a biz business uh, as a result of attending the council seminar? Well, this is certainly not going to sell any seminars for me. Um, one, split ups, not just biz, but personal split ups. There's about a 50% uh, ratio of people that attend the seminar that either split up with a significant other and or split up with their business partners because they find out and they realize they're in business or they're in a relationship for all the fucking wrong reasons. And they're too fucking insecure to think that they can replicate that relationship with the significant other or they're too insecure to think they can replicate that business relationship if they leave. I've heard so many people tell me, I, I spend private time with husbands and wives or partners. One partner comes in and the husband says that my wife loves the business. She loves being my accountant. The wife comes in and says, I hate this fucking business. I want to divorce him. He makes me come to work. I can't do this. I can't do that. Believe me, you're in the relationship for the wrong reason. Most of you have the wrong job. You're in the job for the wrong reason. You're not in to, to learn to do something else. I tell my people, God bless them, you know. I, I want them to go on and do other things beyond Dan Pena. And in our particular case, if you find to come up with an idea, uh, you know, you need a financial partner, we'll be your financial partner. You don't have to go find some, you know, some dipshit to be it. So I want you to grow, you know, and uh, we've had very, very uh, many uh, people over the years leave and go off and be very, very successful on their own. What are you doing to, uh, to play, what are you doing to play big or how do you play big? Perception is reality. What, what am I doing? I think the question is what, what should they be doing? You join clubs that you can't, you hire lawyers and accountants that you normally couldn't afford. You fly first class. You stay in nice hotels. Uh, you, you join uh, Rotary. Uh, you join uh, a nice country club. They have junior memberships in most of these things that cost a lot less money than a full membership. Uh, you start, you know, uh, initiating relationships with high-performance people. Uh, and it's, it's not a matter of uh, playing big, it's, it's a matter of acting big, like you're already successful. Uh, when I was young, uh, in, in 1981, I got a big award uh, on Hispanic Business uh, Association for allegedly, uh, ostensibly being uh, one of the most, if not the most successful Hispanic businessman in the United States. Uh, and then in 1983, I was on the front page of the LA Times, uh, an article on a Pulitzer Prize about the new breed wealthy uh, Latinos, where I was allegedly the most successful um, businessman uh, in the United States, uh, Latin businessman. Whether those are that true or not, the perception has lived with me all these years. I mean, it's 30 plus years later. Uh, and uh, I wouldn't have been able to get those awards or get that recognition on the front page of the LA Times uh, without acting successful. I happen to be successful. Whether I was as successful as they thought I was, I, I'm not sure. I'm in a business that is okay with meeting growth with uh, my dad and my brother 
and they are happy and we are doing well. But I'm not happy, but I want to keep him happy. What do I do? Well, you're fucked. So you're, you're going to stay fucking miserable just to keep your dad and your brother happy. Well, I've got, I got, I got no answer for you. I tell everybody, including the nuns and the priests, which I mentioned earlier, be a little selfish. Think of yourself, because you're going to have a big fucking regret when you're 80. And maybe your and if your dad is honest with himself, he'll have a big regret too, that he kept you doing what you're doing. So what would you do if you were, I just told you what you would do. Should I get an MBA? Uh, you don't need an MBA uh, if you're already successful, and even if you're not successful, unless you feel that from an emotional bank account point of view, you need uh, the requisite uh, three letters after your name, MBA. I didn't finish my master's in finance. I have an undergraduate degree. I had a chance to go to law school. I could have had a lot of letters after my name, but I didn't. Um, and uh, I suggest that you do what you think you should do, but education isn't the end all. Uh, I speak about Gates and Zuckerberg, but as far as I'm concerned, they both got out of, you know, they went to Harvard and they got left their fourth year. But, um, you know, Steve Jobs went to college, I think, three weeks, three days, three weeks, something like that. Um, so uh, I, I don't think you need an MBA. That's what Green Team's for. Uh, is it true you said treading water is like drowning to a high-performance person? Yeah, treading water meaning you're staying where you are now. You're staying where you are now. Uh, it is like you know, drowning. I mean, because high-performance people don't want to stay where they are now. They want to move forward. They want to make progress. Uh, why do you say uh, business is like a war? Because it is like a war. And one of my favorite sayings is, if we were at war, we'd be all fucking dead. Because you make a mistake in war, you perish. Well, business is like war. And high-performance people treat business like war. And I'm very harsh. You know, when I read these weekly reports from my mentees, I'm tough as hell on them. Because I realize the stupid things that they do uh, 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 are manifested by the things, or I should say the stupid things they report to me on a weekly basis, are manifested by a whole series of other stupid fucking mistakes. So business is like war. If you, if, 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 if you say and think, we're at war, we make a mistake, we're gonna die, you'll make different mistakes, or you'll make mistakes, but different. Why don't you change QLA product from the 90s? Great question. Because nothing's changed since the fucking 90s, you fucking morons. Don't you think if it was, if I, um, a thing, the business model has changed since the 90s, I wouldn't have changed my product? Getting money from banks has not changed. Doing deals from the 90s has not changed. Deals, acquisitions, raising capital, financing your dream has not changed. One fucking iota. That's why I haven't changed it. And if you listen to the fucking tapes, you see, other than I could plug in, instead of talking about so-and-so in 1996 or 1999, and I could be talking about somebody else, nothing's changed. The only thing that's really changed is that it's easier to make money on the internet. Or easier to make money in general, more specifically the internet, because the internet was just getting going in the 90s. But that's why.
What is a push-pull agreement? Push-pull agreement. You and I are in business, okay? We're 50-50, let's say, okay? We're in business, but before we go into business, part of our initial contract is that if we, at some point, don't agree to go farther down the road in our business relationship, I can buy you out or you can buy me out at this, based on this formula. So you use the formula that you're gonna value the company down the road now, so there's no argument. So it doesn't matter whether I buy you or you buy me. One of us has got to go if we fall out down the road. That's what a push-pull agreement is. And that has saved a lot of personal relationships with push-pull agreement. They're great. Is it true uh, you answer your own social media questions why, uh, why as busy as you are? I, I believe I said this earlier. Um, the, uh, I answer all my personal correspondence. I may hand it off to one of my two assistants or uh, one of the other people that I have confidence in to follow up on, but I answer it, or I, t I tell uh, Thelma or Kim or whoever it is, uh, I, I write them an email, say this, you follow up, you put it in your words, but this is what I want done, and you follow up from there. But the initial contact is uh, almost always with me. Um, are my martial arts trained? Per se, no, I don't have a black belt, a brown belt, a purple belt, or any, any of belts. Those belts, I don't. But uh, for 12 months in the military, uh, I was uh, trained, uh, but not in martial arts. Uh, in my era, in the 60s, we were trained to kill. The spirit of the bayonet, you can Google it, is to kill. Uh, and so um, when I look at the situations, uh, differently than most of you kids, uh, and uh, I'll leave it at that. But per se, no, I don't have no belts or anything like that. But um, I'm still uh, pretty tough. Uh, I don't think there's many guys that are going to be 70 next year as tough as me. They're still walking around on the planet. Okay. Um, uh, does QLA train you to be completely fear free of fear? No. Even though fear means. Um, uh, false expectations appearing real, it, you're not completely free of it. What it, you're free of is you're free to allow yourself to take action. All of us are afraid. The difference between a high-performance person with a big emotional bank account and a not a high-performance person with not such a big emotional bank account is that we can take action in spite of being afraid. And there's a big difference. There's some things that, you know, not financial or business-wise I'm afraid of. You know, uh, I wasn't afraid of bungee jumping a few months ago, even though I'd never done it before. And, uh, you know, there were some risks that they say the retina pops out now when you hit the bottom, and I've got an artificial hip and an artificial shoulder and a bunch of other stuff. But I still did it. It's, it's, it's like I tell my kids and I tell my mentees. It's not what happens to us in life that dictates how we're going to turn out. It's how we react to what happens to us in life. And that's based on, you know, uh, fear, or the lack thereof, or proceeding in spite of it. When I was young, I mean, I did a lot of things that were, uh, you know, considered fearless. They weren't so fearless. You know, jumping off mountains and some of the other stuff I've done, or uh, getting run over by a water buffalo in, in Australia, where he put one hoof in my, uh, my belly and one hoof on my shoulder as he ran over the top of me, 
Now, when I think back upon it at you know, almost 70, I said, well, what the fuck was I thinking? You know? But then I got up, dusted myself off, and I chased him for a kilometer or so, and I killed the fucker with a handgun as he turned around, and I should show these pictures on social media. He turned around, and he was just getting ready to charge me, and he charged, and he fell dead about five feet in front of me from the bullets that I had put in him before, but he wasn't dead. Now, and especially since I ran out of bullets, you know, and uh, did my life flash in front of me? No. Was I afraid? No. I was pissed off because I didn't count the motherfucking bullets in my handgun, otherwise I would have saved the fucking bullet, so from when he was this close to me, I could have shot him right in the fucking head. I was pissed off at myself, I wasn't afraid. Was my heart racing? Yes. Should I chase the buffalo off into the jungle? Probably not. Did I? Because I was pissed. I done a lot of things when I was pissed. I don't get so pissed anymore. And because uh, I plan on living to be into my hundreds. Dan, is it true when um, you built Great Western Resources while uh, 10,000 energy companies in the USA went bankrupt as oil went from 40 to about $8 a barrel? You built from uh, 420 to about 400, no, from $820 to about $450 million. You merely were more focused and hungry than all else. All else. So when oil went from 40 to 8, and my company went from 820 bucks to 400 and about 450 million bucks, and 10,000 guys went out of business in the U.S. Was it just because I was more focused and more hungry? Um, yeah, and more than that, I didn't stop believing in myself. Uh, and I stayed passionate no matter what the circumstances. One of the great lines of all time, and I think I've said it before, I was being interviewed by the Financial Times and the uh, young journalist, where she's interviewing me in Hyde Park. She says, Mr. Pena, uh, how is it that, you know, and she alludes to what I just read on the slide, uh, how did that happen? And I looked at her right you know, I just like I'm looking at the camera right now. Well, the board and I decided not to participate in the energy depression. And, that's, and that was the truth. We, we, didn't, we weren't interested every time oil went from 40 to 36 to 32 to 22 to 18 to 15 to 10 to 8. And it actually got down as low as 6 one day, day into day. I didn't give a shit. I didn't give a fuck. I told my guys they had to do this, they had to do that, they had to do this. You know, if you don't do it, it's because you're in a coma or you're fucking dead. That's it. Dan, is it true you said people progress only based on their goals? Yes. Their goals. And set high goals. Have high expectations. Set bodacious goals, like President Obama did about being president and being the first black president. But that's a pretty bodacious goal. It really, I didn't think I'd live to see it in my lifetime. Yes, so your progress is based on your goals. Is it true mental toughness separates the super high performers and without it you're in trouble? No, no, you're not in trouble. You're in big fucking trouble. And there's a difference between being mentally tough and quiet and mentally tough and gregarious like me. You don't have to be a Dan Pena gregarious, have the communication skills like I have, presentation skills like I have. But you gotta be mentally tough. And a board, a mentor, dream team will help you gain mental toughness. Because those guys will be mentally tough. 
You say you're right about 95% of the time. What if you're wrong? And that's what a lot of guys, especially from my consulting practice, that I'm not that active anymore, although I, I, I've done some this year, they say, well, what if Dan is wrong on this one? Well, sometimes I am wrong. But I always, when I'm doing consulting, I always uh, uh, you know, couch my remarks by based on this, based on this, and based on if you give me all the information, this is what will probably happen. But you're going to make mistakes. And without taking action, I would know that I'm right 95% of the time. It's like the success test, the optimism test, and the uh, pessimism test, in conjunction, have about a 95% probability to tell you whether you've got an opportunity to be a high-performance person. And so some people will say, well, gee, Dan, that means that 5% I can score like a dipshit, idiot, retarded person, and uh, still become a high-performance. Well, you know, you may be out there in that standard deviation of the mean, I mean, a bell curve out here far, but the odds are you're not. I would rather play the favorites. You stated since you became an officer, it changed your life. Why? Well, it changed my life because it gave me my first exposure to being a high-performance person. Before that, I was basically a fuck-up. I had already told you I got arrested three or four times. Uh, at my high school graduation, the, the administration asked me to not participate in the high school graduation and gave me my diploma along with two of my other good friends, told me to get off campus because I was a fuck-up. Interesting that uh, when I just, uh, last year, went to my 50-year high school reunion. But it changed my life. It put me in charge of men's lives. And it put me in charge of multi-million dollars worth of budget, which nobody in their right mind would give to a 21-year-old kid. Nobody. Only the government would do such a fucking stupid thing. But I had a lot of great training. And, you know, I had uh, 12 months of it. And... Uh, it, you know, it's, it was priceless. I, I, I couldn't pay that money. You know, I, I, I just couldn't. So it changed my life because it gave me self-confidence. It gave me the self-esteem uh, to take action. And, 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 and one of the most important things I learned going through that training is that, as I mentioned, I believe earlier, uh, that when you realize making a mistake, it's only money, it's only a contract, it's only this. It's not life. It's not limb. It gave you the ability to take action quickly. And as I said a few minutes ago, I've always been in a hurry, and uh, that's really why. Why do you always uh, cut timelines away from project management? Because you, project managers, you developers, you everybody else, always built in a comfort zone to make it easier for you to get the shit done. I cut them because I know you do that. Now, sometimes I cut them too far, and it really makes you scramble, but that's okay. That builds up your self-esteem by getting the job done. And then when you get the job done uh, uh, very well, it adds to your self-esteem. Why are you always in a hurry? Why do you drive people so hard? I'm always in a hurry because life is short. I was in a hurry when I was in my early 20s. I'm, even in, I'm still in a hurry, and I'll be 70 next year. Because life is short. You never know when it's going to be over. Uh, nobody guarantees you tomorrow or next year or the next decade. I drive people hard because I know better than anybody how much more you're capable of, you sorry pieces of shit.
I know what you can fucking do. If it was life or fucking death that you got financing for your deal in three weeks, guess what? You fucking get it. It was life and death to save your son, your daughter, your mother. Guess what? You'd figure out a fucking way. That's why I'm so hard, because I know you can do it. I have more confidence in you than you do. You say, laughing out loud, you're a kind, you say, laughing out loud, you're a kinder, gentler guy now. If so, why? And are you really kinder, gentler, or more easy? I am kinder, gentler. And the reason I'm more kinder and gentler is I'm working with um, more focused people now because I don't give all the big seminars. Uh, I only give the small seminars with the small groups. Um, so by definition, for them to get to the castle, they're more committed, either because they can pay up front or they have a payment uh, plan or whatever, however they get there. But they're more committed. So I, but I'm still hard. I'm still hard, but it's easier to deal with a small group than it is a large group. Why are you so tough on others, uh, on yourself? I'm tougher on myself than on others. There's no question about that. Uh, but I'm tough on others, partially for the reason I just gave, because I know what you're capable of. I know what you can do. I know if you're pushed, uh, you know, what you can do in a lifetime. Uh, most of you kids are at the beginning of your careers, the beginning of your lives, and you don't realize, you think you've got a lot of time. One of the biggest lies in the world is when they tell young people, oh, you're young, don't be in such a hurry, smell the roses, enjoy life. Then you wind up being 40 one day and you didn't do shit, and then you're 50, and then 60 and you're fucking suicidal. And you've got those regrets. And by the way, uh, the founder of Amazon, Bezos, he has a, a regret formula too. Um, which I just recently found out, that, uh, you know, will I regret this when I'm 80? You know, right now, most of the people watching this, you know, are going to regret a lot of the stuff by the time they're 80, and they probably already do. Does accomplishing something today as opposed to tomorrow really make a difference? You fucking ain't right, it does. Yes, it does. Because those one days add up. Uh, Michael Milken, the great junk bond guy, was asked many years ago, when he was in his mid-40s, Mr. Milken, how is it that you're so much smarter? He just paid himself $560 million, I believe it was. He was the highest paid executive ever on record at that time. Uh, how is it that you're so much smarter than everybody else uh, and more successful? He said, no, I'm not. But when you look at it, he, he used to say, I may get some of the stats wrong, I work about 20 hours a day. I sleep two hours a day. That's all I need. I work every day, but the highest holy day is Jewish, uh, which I think is Rosh Hashanah. So he works 364, 365 days a year. If you add that up from when he was in university, I think he went to Berkeley, and then he went to the Wharton School. If you add that up for the last 20 years, 20 hours a day, seven days a week, 364 days in a year, instead of only having 20 years experience, he's got about 80 or 85 years experience. So he's really not 44, he's really 104. Well, I have a similar. I needed more than two hours sleep. So, uh, you know, I'm, I'm not really 70, I'm really 105 now. And I've got, instead of 50 years experience, uh, I've got, you know, 70 or 80 or 90 years experience. But those one days add up. You speak of keeping your mentees' regrets to a minimum. Um, 
And why do I want to keep them to a minimum? I got ahead of myself here. Uh, uh, for the same reason that Bezos has figured this out. And the same reason, because when you're 80 years old, you're going to look back at your life. Some of you are looking back at your life at 40, 50, 60. I have kids 30 looking back at their life. If you had a, your life to live over again, what would you do and um, or change? Um, I probably would have gone to law school since I had a scholarship. Um, and I would have set higher goals. And I would have been nicer to my mother just prior to her uh, passing away. And um, the, uh, I would have taken more seriously, I would have liked to have taken my life more seriously when I was a teenager, but I didn't. And my new 19, 18, 19 year old phenom is showing me how uh, I, I could have done it myself. Why, uh, why do you uh, use such graphic language? A different kind of question I answered it earlier. I use such graphic language because I want to, be, I want to emphasize my point and I'm not wishy-washy about it. Plus I have passion. Why do you use caps on social media? Same reason. Also, it's easier for me to read. And as you get older and your eyesight uh, starts to fail a little, it's easier. But I want everything I do to be read as a passion in a hurry and that's why I use a lot of exclamation marks and I use uh, red font. Thank you. Um, that's all for uh, today. Uh, we've covered a lot of material. I'm uh, very interested in the format, the new format, whether you like it or you don't like it. Um, if I don't hear anything, I'll assume that everybody likes the format, but I like the energy level better when I'm standing up. Um, the uh, next couple of pod podcasts will probably be uh, audio. Uh, because I'm going to be on the road, uh, and um, but uh, I look forward to uh, seeing some of you at the castle either this August, which is sold out, but um, in um, uh, in October. Thank you very much. God bless. Peace.